draft six days away. My God. Oh, you can't judge a draft class till four years. Don't care. Let's judge them. All right, 2018, Brian Gutekunst's first draft. Number one, I think this could be his best pick, and Rowdy alluded to it earlier, Jair Alexander. I mean, is, is that Brian Gutekunst's best pick? He's okay. Rowdy? I think it really it would come down to Jair Alexander or Elkin Jenkins. Those are like the only two I think that really have any uh, tout for that top spot. But yes, we're going to run down all of his <laughs> different draft picks throughout his what? Last? Since 2018. Three years. So we're going to whittle them down out of each class and then talk about them all specifically. So Jair Alexander, uh, number two in the 2018 draft for Brian Gutekunst. Josh Jackson out of Iowa, cornerback. See, now that's, that's the uh, good and the bad with Brian Gutekunst, right? Like, we talk about some of his best in Jair Alexander. Well, his very next pick in that same draft could be potentially one of his worst. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do good, bad. And we're going to go down the list, and I'm going to read the name, and then you're going to tell me good, bad. So Jair Alexander, good. Josh Jackson, bad. Bad. RJ, do bad. You think, how bad. far do you think we have to go down for this to really be fair? Well, once we know, we know. Uh, next, Oren Burks, third pick. Bad. He can't even get on the field. <laughs> Agreed. Okay, bad. Jamon Moore. Bad. Bad. Should I star that one as like really bad? No, that's just bad. Cole Madison. Who? Bad. <laughs> He's and, the one well, who. That, see, that see this is a tough that's one. That's an asterisk. Yeah. This is an asterisk he because. He never played due to mental health, yeah, health issues. And then he yeah. had. Well, he had an it was, injury. Yeah, because he was the one where his college roommate committed suicide. Yeah. yeah. And he had was to oh, take a, a quarterback spot. from Washington State. Yeah. Right? Then he had, took a year off for mental health reasons. And he thanked the Packers for that. He's like, I, an organization like was there for me, which is nice. And then he came back and struggled picking things up. And then it was once he did get healthy, he was a backup, which, I mean, the Packers line in the last few years have been relatively good. Yep. And then after that, wasn't it just kind of injury after yeah, injury? Yeah, it was injury. Should I do, okay, so bad, but that's on no-fault zone, so I'll do an asterisk. Uh, next would be J.K. Scott. Should I add a meh category? Yes. <laughs> okay, so we have good, bad, and meh. meh. J.K. Scott. Now, if you get a a starter every game out of the fifth round, you'd think that's a good draft pick, right? Yeah, the guy started every game. It's a punter. It's it's a punter though, and J.K. Scott, who started out this, his campaign hot, like he was a boomer, not the uh, people that are helping ruin the world as boomers. I mean, like his leg was a boomer. Uh, J.K. Scott, good, bad, or meh, meh. R.J. Meh. J.K. Scott under meh. Uh, Marquez <laughs> Valdez Scantling. At I'll times, him, I'll put him under good because he's a fifth round pick. Got a lot of speed. Yeah. In big moments, he's made some big catches, but also in big moments, he's made some bad or also lack not, thereof catches. You're not banking on a fifth-round pick to be a big-time contributor. Right. All right. MVS, we'll put in good. Equiminius St. Brown. Meh. Yeah. Meh. Uh, EQ. Okay, I'll put him. James Looney. Don't Doesn't matter. Bad. Hunter Bradley. Good. Good? He's their current long snapper. Hunter yeah. Bradley. They did just bring in a new long snapper to compete with Hunter Bradley. Competition breeds success. True that. And then Kendall Donerson. Doesn't Bad. Matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I think he was practice squatted for one year. Okay. Kendall Donerson. I mean, some of these names I don't even have to write down. It doesn't matter. Okay. So then 2019, let's go. This was a very, 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 very heated discussion when it first happened. 
I remember even Amon Green didn't like it at the time. The first-round pick traded up to get him number 12, Rashawn Gary. He's To me, he's meh right now. God, I think he might be. But he's trending towards he's, good. I think he might be good. I'd put him in good. I think I'm going to put him in good because Rashawn Gary, last campaign, last Reason season, why I would say meh for me right now well, is because you hate him. He was the number 12 overall pick, and when I'm picking 12th, I want a guy that's coming in right away, being a contributor, right. being a guy that is a – if not a, a linchpin, he's going to be a linchpin. I still feel like the jury, we kind of talked about this earlier, jury's out. He's trending in the right direction, but I can't call it good yet. I will put Rashawn Gary in good because Rashawn Gary had a good 2020 season. He did pretty well for himself compared to the year before. I'll put good for Rashawn Gary. Uh, Darnell Savage Jr. I'll go with good there because for one and a half years, he's played really well. I'll put him in good as well. Darnell Savage Jr. has a Pretty good at times. Uh, let's see. The second, those two first rounders, the second pit, Elton Jenkins. Uh, good, and yeah. then star that as potentially a best. Okay, Elton Jenkins. <laughs> yeah, I like. Starred as potentially best, same as Jair Alexander. And then we have Jay Sternberger. Man. Bad. Bad. Yeah, bad. Jace. When he has been healthy, he hasn't been able to catch the ball. And yeah. he also spurned us from an interview. In his career, he has 12 catches. And he, Yeah, and he's been surpassed by Big Bob. And I think you could have argued that he was getting passed by Josiah DeGuara in the first couple weeks before his leg injury. Jay Sternberger, Nelson uh, had him all set up, ready to do an interview, and then he ghosted us. So you are under the bad category for multiple reasons. Star of that one is worst. Yeah, Yeah, he's in in the running. (laughs) A-hole. All right, uh, Kingsley Kiki. Good. Good. It's a fifth-round pick that's been playing starter snaps inside with uh, Kenny Clark. Kingsley. And actually had a decent season last year. Kiki. Now we go Kadar Holman. Meh. Holman. Yeah. I mean He's he's been out there. He hasn't played a ton. When you hear him, you don't you don't hear good or bad. So that would be And again, he was a six round pick. It's not like, well, he was out of position. Or, you know, you yeah, like you said, you don't hear a bad thing about him. All right, deciphering Brian Gutekun's drafts right now. You can't do you gotta wait four years. Shut up. All right, next, uh, Dexter Williams, sixth round. It's either bad or meh. Yeah, it's because he hasn't. He, he hasn't really gotten on the field, and he hasn't performed when yeah, given a do, chance. Let's do meh. I'm doing meh because I just said if if you don't hear good or bad is yeah meh, Dexter Williams, meh, and then finally seventh round, Ty Summers. Good pick. Yeah, I like Ty Summers. He's a he's a big time contributor on special teams and is filled in when needed. Yep, yep. Okay. hasn't been a problem. And then finally, we are at the 2020 NFL Draft. Uh, you, you can't judge it. It's too early. Again, shut up. Number one, this is the uh, hoofta. This, this topic was inspired by a tweet I saw this morning from a CBSSports.com writer, Jonathan Jones, who said, and I quote, Green Bay picking Jordan Love was the worst pick of the first round last year. It remains the first, or I'm sorry, it remains the worst pick a year later, and a year from now, it will continue to be. The worst pick. So my question, boys, despite it being yes too early and you only saw him in a tracksuit and a couple videos of him missing a net in practice, Jordan Love, good, bad, or meh? Bad. I'm going to go with bad, too, just because when you look at the only small timeline of his playing career, he hasn't even suited up. Right. So how can you say it's good? He hasn't been active for games, and it took Tim Boyle being cut for him to be the backup. I also will go bad because not only I mean that could end up changing. It, it could, but I mean we'll have to see this preseason how he plays because I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing a lot. 
And then if there's blowouts, we'll see how he plays. And, you know, until he can prove himself and get those snaps, kind of hard to... You can't even call him meh. Yeah. All you do, all you did was put um, a future Hall of Famer and Aaron Rodgers' career in jeopardy See, with the Green Bay Packers. I think if, Which is no fault of his own. I right. think if they drafted him and then he won the backup job and Tim Boyle wasn't on the roster last year, I'd give it a meh because you're still waiting to see. Right. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he was and he couldn't be on the sideline, not suited up, it's it's bad right now cuz it's when you're talking about the Green Bay Packers and the expectation with Aaron Rodgers to win a Super Bowl every single year. Yeah. That's not that's not a good pick. No, all right, it so didn't help you at all. Jordan Love, there's a bad. AJ Dillon. I put him as good. I would too. Yeah. That's good because he did play played really well in one game when better he really, than Derrick Henry when yeah. he got uh, the opportunity and now he's going to be thrusted into the at least a, a part time yeah part time starter type those role. button thighs they don't quit those things Do are quit. thick ow. Ow, ow, ow. thicker than a snicker ow Josiah DeGuara, third round meh that's a meh uh, he didn't get enough to yeah. time to prove himself but I mean like you said though he was getting ready to surpass. Sternberger. Sternberger, and he was looking all right, um, but now he's got another guy to contend with. If I remember correctly, decided to go in his very limited Tunyon. time. He looked uh, decent. Yeah, he had one catch for twelve yards, but you needed two. But watching, blocking. yeah, but watching, he made some good blocks. Yeah, Kamal Martin, fifth round. I will actually say this is good, and I ripped this pick when they took it. Yeah, because so, he was yeah. injured. Yeah, I think he looked good when he was like finally was able. Was he injured? Then he had COVID, right? Well, yep. and if you remember how the roster was constructed last year, they had Kamal Martin, who was a fifth round pick. They had Chris Barnes, who was an undrafted free agent, and then you brought in uh, Kirksey, who was the higher price free agent. And by middle of the season, Kamal Martin and, and Chris Barnes were out playing Kirksey. Yeah, yep. that's the reason why he's not yeah, on the yeah, roster. He's no longer up next. I've already I've already wrote it in pen on good John Runyon. Horrible. Just good. the worst. Yeah. He's good. Yeah, I mean, I mean filled in great everything, everything they called uh, on him to do. Uh, he killed it on the he, line. He did. And, yeah, like we've said. He's done good. If you don't hear anything bad about the guy and all you do is like, hey, we need you to play both guard positions. Okay. Okay, you got to coach. And he does well. Yeah. I mean. Like, I can do it. Can't even. I'm from Michigan. I can do it. <laughs> hey. My dad played with Tom Brady. Uh, up next, Jake Hansen. Bad. He was cut. <laughs> he was. <laughs> yeah, he was practice squad and then cut. And see ya. Uh, see. Then uh, Simon, I was butcher his name, Stepaniak. Meh. Wasn't healthy. Yeah. Simon. He was the one that they drafted out of Indiana, the offensive tackle slash guard that had the leg injury. They knew he had the injury. Said my leg hurt. Yeah, and basically was basically was uh, on IR, I believe, the whole season. But my leg, Lieutenant Gutekunst. Uh, Vernon Scott, but you ain't got no legs. Man, you ain't got no legs. He played a little bit, played some special teams, but I mean, you never you never hear anything about him. So, meh. <laughs> Vernon Scott, and then finally, Jonathan Garvin, also a meh. Played a little bit of special teams, got a few snaps here and there, but uh, I believe he went down with an injury last season too. We have eight good. Ooh. Yep, eight good. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight bad. Uh oh. And eight meh. So it's been the wait. Did we just say before this that you know Brian Gutekunst a real mixed bag when it comes to (laughs) drafting? Well, it looks like going through it all, it kind of just spelled that out. Yeah, eight good, eight bad, eight. 
out of 24 picks Meh. over three seasons. How about that? Look at that, my friends. You have a middle-of-the-road draft class. Now, if you throw in the free agents, that's where I think the edge goes to good for Brian Gutekunst. I'd agree with that. Because but that's not a draft class. That is correct. That is not a draft class, but it's something that's that somebody Ted, else's draft class. It's something class. that Ted Thompson really didn't do much of was dip in the free agency, but Brian Gutekunst done a little more. He said, yeah. we're, going to be in the, we're going to be in conversations with everyone. I know, they've been in a lot of conversations. They have been. So, all right, out of the good. Ooh, but what do we – so if we're going to go even one further, we just said mix bag oh, and spelled no, it no, out with – I apologize. Oh. I, I missed a couple names. What? We have more good. I apologize for that. I uh, drew. Oh a, yeah, you drew a line. I drew what are a line. You doing? I drew a line in a wrong spot. I do apologize. My God, oh, we I have mean, more you, good. You drew the line and then you wrote names under it. <laughs> we have eleven good. Excuse me, eleven good. I drew the line and screwed myself up. Eleven well, good. Could eight we bad. Take two eight of men. those names. Put one of them in bad and one of them in. Well, here's what we're gonna do. Out of that, all the that bad, way we can stay even. Out of the eight bad, who is the worst? You have Josh Jackson, Oren Burks, Jamon Moore. Well, we'll throw Cole Madison out because there's an asterisk next to him. So there's seven bad then. So Josh Jackson, Oren Burks, Jamon Moore, Kendall Donerson, uh, Jay Sternberger, Jake Hansen, and Jordan Love. Who would be the worst out of the bad? I think the top two for me would be Josh Jackson and Jay Sternberger. What about Jordan Love? No. I, he, I the mean, jury is literally it, out. It, it's not his fault he's the bad pick. Like, that's an organizational bad pick. It's not because he's a bad player. We don't know that yet. So Rowdy says Josh Jackson or Jay Sternberger. Josh Jackson was the kid out of Iowa that was a projected first-round pick, and then all of a sudden when the draft started getting closer and closer, his stock started tanking. And then that was when, obviously, they made the trade, picked up Jerry Alexander, and then still, because if you remember, a lot of the projections were saying Josh Jackson was going to go to the Packers in the late first round anyways. Then they still picked up Josh Jackson in that second round. So now you're thinking, oh, we just got two good corners. What about Jamon Moore? Now, I know he's a fourth-rounder, but you look at, and I know Ted Thompson was drafting before, um, obviously, Brian Gutekunst, but you look at the fourth round. Jamon Moore, that's where uh, Goody got the wide receiver at. But you go back a little bit. Fourth round, Vince Beagle and Jamal Williams before that. Well, that's the thing. Blake Martinez before that. He's a fourth rounder. I'm not expecting a ton from him. Yeah, Jake Ryan before that. uh, And we already listed him as bad. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, I know, but I'm saying how bad is he with all the guys? J.C. Treader, Jonathan Franklin before that. Jamon Moore, I mean, that was a year, and then he hasn't really drafted a wide receiver since. I will go with Josh Jackson probably being Sternberger's been pretty bad, especially for being a third-round pick where everyone was saying he could be the second or third best tight end in this draft, and he could potentially be the best tight end in that 2020 draft. All right, so I'll put Josh Jackson and Jay Sternberger as the top of the bad. All right, how about the good? Jair Alexander, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Hunter Bradley, Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage, Elton Jenkins, Kingsley Kiki, Ty Summers, A.J. Dillon, Kamal Martin, John Runyon. I think Jair Alexander is obviously the best. I, that too would be for me. Yeah, it's got to be Jair Alexander just because of the awards that he's won last year. Yeah. But Elkin Jenkins could be the most valuable. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm going to go with Josh Jackson as the best. And I think value-wise, John Runyon might overall, he might be right there too. Just because it was a six-round pick that played extremely well when he got the opportunity. But mm-hmm. when you look at it, not value-wise, but as where they were drafted, Jair Alexander, you expected him to do well as the 18th overall pick. And he's lived up to it. He's, he's been all pro. He's yeah. surpassed it. And, I mean, honestly, uh, some of the guys who are ranked ahead of him, I think he's better than in, in the NFL. Yeah. But 
Well, when you look just purely at his numbers and you looked at the other corners in the NFL, there's no way you couldn't argue he wasn't a top three corner. Right, but he wasn't a pro bowler for some reason. Yeah. So, I don't know. Looking at this draft, <laughs> as we decipher, you have 11 good in our humble opinions. You have uh, eight bad if you throw Cole Madison out just because, you know. It's... So, who's the mentiest? Oh, uh, the mentiest? J.K. Scott, Equiminia St. Brown, Kadara Holman, Dexter Williams, Josiah DeGuara, Simon Stepaniak, uh, Verdon Scott, and Jonathan Garvin. Who's the mentiest? Sorry. Uh, Probably J.K. Scott. E.Q. or J.K. Scott. He's literally the definition of meh. Yeah, because half the time when it's warm out, he can actually kick the football, and then when it's cold, he he like kicks it like thirty yards. And his average switches come uh, like the end of October. And if you were to see him, it's like, man, what's this twelve-year-old doing kicking in the NFL? Like at least St. Brown, you still, I still feel like you saw a little bit from him last year, where you're like maybe he's got that one more season left on his contract where he can take a little bit more of a step. Yeah. So there like you J.K. Go. Scott, I just know that that's what he is. Breaking down a little bit there of uh, Brian Gutekunst's drafts, 11 good, 8 bad, 8 meh, but the best of the good, Jair Alexander, the worst of the bad, Josh Jackson and Chase Sternberger, and the meh, yes, of the meh, J.K. Scott. And then we talked about how free agency, we got to give him a plus with. Yeah. But some of his trades, though, that's either got to be meh or a negative. <laughs> so what? Gurukun slightly above average as a GM so far? Average. Average? I'd give him slightly above. Slightly above. I'd go slightly above. Like if there's 32 teams in the NFL, I'd rate him like 14th. Hmm. There you go. Good thing they got Aaron Rodgers, eh? Yeah. I don't think he thinks that, but good thing he, they got Aaron Rodgers. Somebody in the organization doesn't. Somebody in the organization doesn't doesn't think the, like what we think. Thank God they got Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not sure. It's not the head coach. It's somebody else. Remember that story by Tyler Dunn, if you like, you know, take everything at face value, that Mark Murphy told Aaron Rodgers, don't be a problem yeah. when Matt LaFleur came in? I, Maybe it's Matt LaFleur? I don't think it is. Maybe it's Mark Murphy. Like, I think it's Mark Murphy. You know, when when the all those stories came out that said he's not going to let him make changes at the line. Mark Murphy and, says, don't be the problem. And LaFleur came out and goes, he's the best in the game. Why would I not let him make changes at the line? Mark Murphy and I quote, don't be a problem to Aaron Rodgers. Hmm, who's the problem child here? I'm looking at you, howdy doody. <laughs> Mark El- Murphy, the dark hand of the Green Bay Packers. Alfred E. Newman, the, t- the dark hand. Oh, we got ourselves a good little message from one of our friends from the uh, golf simulator, Madison Indoor Golf Simulator, Bobby in Marshall. What's up, Bobby? Rowdy, read that uh, text off from Bobby. I thought it was a really good question. Yeah, he goes, does Jordan Love get out of the suck club if he gets <laughs> traded and in return leads to a positive draft pick? It does read it one more time. Does Jordan Love get out of the suck club if he gets traded and in return leads to a positive draft pick? Mm, no. I feel like it depends on what you would define a positive draft pick is, right? Because yeah. they use because you're not gonna they use the late first round pick on Jordan Love. He's the twenty sixth. I'm, I'm under the assumption that once you draft a, a quarterback. And then it's like a car. Once you drive it off yeah. the lot, it's losing value. It devalues immediately. So if you get, we'll say if you, if you get a second round pick for Jordan Love, I think I would really start to to think about taking it if I was the Packers, especially with how Aaron Rodgers played last year 
And with, if you really are trying to go all in and put all your chips on the table, does Jordan now, Love go if, to Suck Club? If Jordan Love was traded for that rumored conspiracy Patriots Packers trade, yeah, I would take that for sure because then you're getting the fifth fifteenth pick for totally. your twenty ninth Jordan Love and a fourth. I think that would be something I would definitely look into. But uh, to say he gets out of the Suck Club, I feel like you would have to get at least equal value to what you uh, yeah, use to draft I them. Don't see that or, happening. Or else you're you're losing value. So okay, so let's say that let's say he does get traded and it's a decent draft pick out of it. What does that say about Brian Gutekunst though? Then you just totally then why did you do what you did in the first round of the draft of uh, of uh, twenty twenty? Well, it would definitely take some uh, actual reporting to ask him that question. Yeah, which we know majority of Packers media doesn't do. They uh, just kind of sit there and kiss their ass. Will you come on my podcast? Mm, I love you. Hagler. But when it comes to that, excuse me, I had a something I thought there. What does it say about Brian Gutekunst if you were to do that? Like, See, I'm I'm all for GMs admitting when they're wrong, though, because then once you admit that you're wrong, you can move on from a bad decision and go back to uh, formulating a new plan. You ever heard a GM say that they're wrong? Yeah. I know it's rare. It has happened before. Who? Uh, uh, Stearns. Jordan. Oh, yeah, David, David Stearns. With, uh, Scope. with uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Scope. Scope. Hey, guys. Screw the pooch on that one. I think that's we'll like the on. only time I've ever heard a GM say they screwed up. And he he literally admitted well, I mean, it. mean, some, some people, I feel like you don't actually have to come out and say you screwed up. Like, you can just look at Ryan Pace's career with the Bears. Say, you're talking about Ryan Pace? Yeah, that's just, that doesn't need <laughs> yeah, to be Yeah, do you said. think Ryan Pace with the Bears just walks around? He's like, I know, guys. I no. Know, like, I don't have to say anything. You know, I know. We all know. He's like that. Uh, we all know. In uh, uh, Billy Madison. Are you in loser denial? <laughs> I'm not a loser. I'm not a loser. You're the loser. loser. Yeah, it's like he walks around. Ryan Pace, the Chicago Bears GM. He walks around, and everyone looks at him. He looks at him. They just just nod. They're like, yeah, we know. He's like, yeah, I know, too. I suck. But I feel like that's the easiest way to to continue to move forward, right? You admit that you're wrong, and you go in a different direction. If it's not right, it's not right. The longer you play out this lie, the the worse it's going to look for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could I don't know how this came to be. But it was a e yikes kind of thing. I think that's the closest Ted's ever admitted. I don't remember what that uh, clip is in like, reference to. I, I don't. I'm not smart enough to tell you what it is. R.I.P. Silverpot. Like Silver they Fox. say that uh, you know you should fake it till you make it. Oh, well, yeah. you can't fake it in the NFL. No. Well, you can, <laughs> no. but then you'll be fired pretty quickly. You'll, when you get to that high level of or sports, you just go work for the Bears. You're just exposed. <laughs> yeah, you are exposed. Well, I mean, look at there's um. Well, the the Texans head coach Bill O'Brien, he good decent head coach, right? But as a GM, or was a decent until he lost the team. But as a GM, well, terrible. He lost it be, he because lost of his, the he's a terrible because GM. Because his GM sucked, which was him. Yeah, Ryan Pace. I don't know how they continued to hang on to that guy, but uh, just the Mitchell Trubisky pick alone of trading up to get him right there, like that's just unforgivable. Brian Gutekunst right now, we're what above average for Goody. He hasn't. Has he made? I guess he could potentially his biggest mistake could be Jordan Love, but that's where the topic is stemming from now. If if Jordan Love is traded and you get a decent draft pick from him, so let's say you get a decent draft pick from uh, the Jordan Love See, trade. I would take a second round pick. For what him? happens if that draft pick doesn't pan out though? Then you go back to Gutekunst. You're like, what's your problem, man? Yeah, hundred percent. But I would I would take a second round pick for Jordan Love right now. I think 
it was a little too early, especially when Aaron Rodgers comes out and has an MVP season. All right, let's say you, they do trade Jordan Love, and you go back and look at the 2020 pick, the 26 in the first round, but they get a second-round pick for him. You'll take the second-round pick, but also does it come with the caveat that you want an apology from Brian Gutekunst too? Or an admitted well, feel, an admits that he's wrong. I feel like he would have to come out after trading a guy that you just took the year before in the first round that everyone thought was the heir apparent, and then you turn around and trade him for a second round pick. I think you'd have to say, Well, you know, we thought that it, it might be time to draft, you know, Aaron's replacement, but he kind of uh changed things up on us with his performance and we're happy to see how well he's playing and we're going all in with us. you have to say something like that you have yeah. to but well, i mean you don't they don't have to that's the thing but yes I, you'd feel like you'd want to hear something but what if you got something like this i don't want to brag about myself but <laughs> um i've been all of my adult life, I've been in, involved in football. What if you got a, something like that from Brian Gutekunst after if the trade were to happen? I would look at Brian Gutekunst and be like, what is your, what well, is your major said, malfunction? If he said that exact line, I'd say, well, dip crap. What is your major malfunction, Private What file? is your major malfunction, my man? If he had that exact line, I'd say, well, dip crap. You just traded your first-round pick from 2020. So, obviously, you're not that smart. Uh, let's see here. A guy, J.A. Krebs, says, you guys need to relax about the love pick. It's a future pick. Everyone hated the Rodgers pick. When he was drafted, no one really knows anything about him. No, 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 no. The only reason people hated the Aaron Rodgers pick was because it was just kicking Brett Favre out of town, and everyone loved Brett Favre. Everyone thought Favre or that Rodgers would be the first quarterback gone. Like yeah. he was the pick, and that still could have been Aaron Rodgers' first starting year. It that was the waffling of Brett Favre. Yeah, the Brett only Favre reason that offseason was still talking about. Retiring. The only reason people hated the Brett, the Aaron Rodgers pick, is because it was the, you saw the signs that was the end of Brett Favre, like real, like it was hitting you in the face. And the people who hated it, and everyone loved Favre. The people who hated it were Brett Favre fans, not Packer fans. Oh yeah, it's the same. People I who, I hated it. I'm like it, it's it's still the people who till this day won't forget like, the Packers. You guys let Brett Favre just leave. Like, See, what? I was in a weird camp on this one because I love the Rodgers pick. I want him to select Aaron Rodgers. I was a big Cal fan watching later West Coast football, and Aaron Rodgers <laughs> was a complete stud at Cal. And even saying that, I was still on the fence of them and a little upset when they pushed Brett Favre out because I was still under the assumption, yeah, I like this guy as a potential future pick, but I'm not trying to push out the guy that basically remade the Packers yeah. franchise. Brett yeah. Favre's like waffling between retirement and everyone, all his fans, so he's like walks around like he's like a cult figure, right? Everyone like worships the ground he walks on because how he played the game. And then, you know, Rogers just picked him and was like, oh my God, you're actually doing it. You're actually pushing the gunslinger out. That's what everyone's mad about. You know what everyone's mad about now, Jordan Love, is that Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. He never was talking about retirement. Yeah. He is just put on, I know, Probably picking him, help spurring I mean, him to go to MVP. Prior to his pick, he was talking about retiring as a Packer. Yeah, and from my finishing his career. From my perspective on this one, I was actually decently high on Jordan Love and thought he had the second highest ceiling. So it's not like I hated Jordan Love as a football player, yeah. but it, I wasn't as high on Love as I was on Rodgers. And to what you guys just said, Rodgers isn't waffling back and forth about retirement. Yeah, he's been. Hey, I want to play. At least out my contract, which right. is the next three years. Krebs yeah. comes back and says it's the same. Rodgers was average the two years before Love was drafted, just like Favre was 
average before um, but Rodgers was drafted. Aaron Rodgers never has never said, I don't want to be here. I'm thinking about retiring. It's not the same. The layers of this onion makes a man cry. And we welcome in this cool cat right here. I coined him our gambler to the stars, Dave Essler. Dave, what's up, brother? How are we doing on this Friday? Well, good morning. We're we're busy, busy. You know, you mentioned the draft, and you know, I'm I'm looking at that, and of course, we have everything else going on. So, uh, yeah, busy. How about you guys? What, tell me, tell me about the draft. Who are the Packers taking? Oh man, that, isn't that the million dollar question there, Dave? It's uh, I think it's going to be an unsexy pick. I'm thinking like an offensive lineman. What do you think, Nelly? Yeah, and I we talked a little bit about this uh, off air during the commercial. I can only see it being three positions: wide receiver, offensive line. Or corner, Dave. Through the gambler's eyes, what are you thinking, man? What Packers are so hard to? Well, obviously it's the draft, especially when you get down in the twenties. It's hard to decipher who's taking who. What do you think, my brother? Well, what will they do or what should they do? I don't know. I, <laughs> I mean, the, mar- the, the, the market leans heavily to an offensive player. I think it's minus one fifty at DraftKings that they take an offensive player. Plus one ten, they take a defensive player. And you know, if it's an offensive player, I think it's got to be Bateman. Um, you know, they have, what, no wide receivers on the contract for next year. So I, I think that's probably the safest, smartest pick, whether Rodgers plays again or they, they get Bateman in there to kind of get him in love on the same page going forward. But, you know, expect the unexpected, and we only have to go back 365 days for Packers fans to expect the unexpected. Right. Dave, we've been doing this thing called the Draft Predictor, and we started it, gosh, all the way in 2014 where we ask all our listeners, just the first pick, just the first round for the Packers, you know, tell us who you think they'll pick, and we'll award you with some kind of prize. Since 2014, only one individual out of the – Countless people that have uh, put a name in have got it right, and that was Kenny Clark in 2016. Other than that, thousands and thousands of people have all gotten it wrong. So it's such a it's such a crapshoot. Who knows, you know? Agreed. I mean, can can I have one in one A? I mean, if, if, if it's not <laughs> if it's not Bateman, I think it'll be Newsom, the cornerback out of Northwestern. Yeah, I've been and, seeing a lot of that too. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so Dave, yeah. uh, before we dive into more of you know some weekend series for baseball and what you like and whatnot, I have a, a question for you. Do you have uh, a, a certain team that you root for, that you've cheered for your entire life, and still continue to do uh, in baseball or football, et cetera, et cetera. You know that's a good question. And growing up in Boston, I, I I'm a Red Sox fan. However, I don't really root for them anymore. Maybe if they should happen to make the playoffs, and I'll tell you why. Because in 2004, they were down 0-3 to the Yankees in the ALCS. And they won four straight, which had never been done before. And they did it against the dreaded Yankees. So it just can't get any better than that. So right. now I, I don't really care, which is good because I can look at it objectively if I want to make a bet. <laughs> that's a, I mean, that's a great point. And I was going to ask you about this. If, if you did cheer for a certain team uh, yesterday, well, I mean, we're Brewers fans here, obviously, in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, we're Brewers fans, and I hate the Chicago Cubs with all of my being. Like, I despise them. They're my rival, right? And I think Nelson over here falls into the same guys. But Dave Esler, he bet on the Cubs yesterday to win, which our listeners were up in arms over. But Rowdy is over here puffing his chest out because he got a winner with the Chicago Cubs. So I think what best is for the eyes of gambling is you got to put your allegiances aside, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that and the other thing, I think the classic trap I think people fall into is the whole recency bias thing where they, they remember what they saw last. 
and and you know that could be a very dangerous thing. You know, a, a team will score 14 runs, and you know, look at the Cubs. I mean, for two or three games, their offense got kind of happy there, and and then last night, yeah, the Cubs won, uh, but I'm not necessarily sure they deserve to. Uh, I mean, they deserve to because they scored more runs, but they, I mean, they just didn't play well. They 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 didn't bunt twice when they could have or should have, uh, and couldn't play the leadoff triple late. So, you know. Yeah. Did they really? Did they really play well? No. Did they win? Yeah. And oh, the the Cubs are back. Well, I, I disagree. And I actually, I kind, of, I kind of like your Brewers this afternoon. Actually. Well, well done. That's right where I was going, Dave. Great minds think alike. What do you think then? So you're liking the crew. Um, what do you, What do you like about it in this matchup with Brett Anderson and Kyle Hendricks? What's our, What are the numbers that are making you kind of lean Brew Crew? Well, I, I think there's a few classic situations here. You know, first off, Anderson's only rough outing this year was against the Cubs and. I think we might have talked a little bit last week. I, I always expect teams and or pitchers to make adjustments in rematches, and I think Anderson will. Uh, and honestly, that outing's factored into the number. I think the Cubs just opened about minus 135, so you can get the Brewers at plus money. And secondly, the Brewers had yesterday off. They come in off that high with the sweep of the Padres where uh, their pitching staff did not allow a home run. And that, that bullpen that was kind of much maligned as of a week ago they got an ERA of 1.80 over the last week with zero blown saves. Now, you know, just because the Cubs have started to hit, uh, and that's another thing that's factored in already, you know, if they were going to struggle, it's against a left-handed pitcher. Now, Dave. I, I only got to go back to last night. Lucchesi's a left-handed pitcher. Yeah. Hey, uh, let me ask you, when, when you're, like, you know, making your bets and you're, um, you know, deciphering everything and you look at specifically the Milwaukee Brewers who, yeah, they just swept the San Diego Padres, you know, as casual Brewers fans, like some around here, I don't think they would know who half the people were on the roster for the Brewers that swept the Padres. No Christian Yelich, he's on the IL. Colton Wong on the IL. No Lorenzo Cain. As a guy who, uh, you know, has got a fine eye, fine tuned in for all this stuff, when you look at a Brewers roster or a roster in general, you see a bunch of no-name guys. Is that usually a red flag for you, or how do you decipher that? Well, I, I kind of look at current form, to be honest with you. I, I mean, I care who's playing and who's not, but I look at current form. And the current form, they're playing well without those guys. And we yeah. talked about that as well. That you know, Actually, we, we moved the market last week with our, with our maybe taking the Brewers to win the NL Central because last week I think they were third favorite, and now they are the favorite to win the NL Central. I think they're down to plus 170. So, oh. you know, I, uh, and, and I can't disagree with that. Again, you know, they're playing well without all those guys. So, you know, they, yeah. they kind of got no way to go but up, and, you know, they're, they're – they're, they're playing well. I think the wild card in there, and, and we talked about this as counsel. Yeah, definitely. Dave Essler joining us right now. Follow him on Twitter at Dave underscore Essler, E-S-S-L-E-R. Uh, Nelly, tell Dave what you took in the Razor's Edge here at 650. Yeah, so we went with the Phillies today at plus 105, so you get a little bit of underdog money there just because I feel like both starting pitchers were pretty volatile. And uh, when you look at the bullpen, Phillies had a better bullpen. Phillies will be a better overall team, and they hit right-handed pitching better than the Rockies hit right-handed pitching. But our secondary pick was going to be the Marlins, but uh, ended up siding with the Phillies here. I can't disagree with the Phillies. You know, you got a couple guys on the mound there that, that you know, both can kind of go either way, Marquez, Velasquez. But what I will tell you is the market this morning very much agrees with you. Um, let me see. Colorado opened minus 135. That's tough. And they're down to... At most books, um, minus 110, minus 115, and that's with um, two-thirds of the money actually on 
Colorado. So the market is very much in agreement with you. And I think I think this may be a case of overvaluing the Rockies. You know, we talked last week about a lot of these teams that are that are uh, underperforming, and yeah. and the Rockies the Rockies are one of them. You know, people I think people still think Nolan Arenado plays for the Rockies because they are <laughs> they, you know they, they're one of the they're one of the 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 biggest money bleeding teams in baseball right now as are you know teams like the Yankees, Minnesota, Houston, Padres, Rockies are fifth in terms of how much money they're costing betters and I don't think that'll change today so I think you got yourself a winner there. I love it. Hey Dave, what's uh, what's on your mind? Like what are you uh, uh keying up on this weekend to be at NBA or Major League Baseball or anything? What's uh, Dave Esser looking at? Well, I'm still looking at today. And it's interesting you guys mentioned the Marlins. I mean, that's that's a game that I'm 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 still trying to figure out, but I don't know how I don't take the Marlins for the first five with Alcantara and Alex Wood. I mean, Miami is fifth in run scored against left-handed pitchers, and this has another situation, a recency bias. They just saw Alex Wood. Now, how, how good is Alex Wood? I don't know. He's, he's, he's off and on, but if he was any good, he'd probably still be with the Dodgers. 100%. Um, you know, and, and, you know, Alcantara had obviously, arguably, his worst start of the season against the Giants in that series. And, and Miami has a big-time bullpen advantage over the Giants over the last week. So I don't think you're wrong in, in leaning towards the Marlins there. Maybe I would split that with the, with the first five. And there's another game, you know, here's an NL Central one that your, your listeners will be familiar with, the Reds and the Cardinals. Not possible to back the Reds for nine innings with that bullpen like ever. Uh, and like, you know, and that bullpen was abused again yesterday. I know it's Sonny Gray, uh, but if it was Sonny Gray, the good Sonny Gray, he'd probably still be in Oakland. Um, yeah. You know, where where pitchers go to pile up good stats and then become free agents and then and then regress to be the re- like the rest of the people. Um, but you know, the, the, and Gray had a pretty good first outing, but he threw two innings in spring training. And you know, I'm still a little high on Kim. Uh, even even with a rough outing at Philadelphia, I know he's got to strike some people out. In the Reds, they tend to strike out. So Cardinals rest Thursday, meaning probably Molina won't rest today. Uh, Reds just two and four on the road. Um, I like I like St. Louis there quite a bit. Hey Dave, before let's oh yeah I'm sorry what'd yeah. you say? No, and, and the market tends to agree. You know that's one thing I like to look at early in the morning is the market or, or late at night as well. Um, but you got you got. Uh, Cardinals were open at, at even money, and I think the Cardinals are going to go off the enlisted favorite here, uh, even as 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 public as the Reds are right now. Yeah, uh, Dave. Before I let you go, and we always appreciate it and thank you for your time, man. I love the insight that you give us. Uh, what besides you know, hopefully successful and happy uh, gambling coming up here? What else is Dave Essler doing this weekend? Well, Dave Essler uh, is going to play golf this afternoon. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny. I mean, I'm I'm an adequate golfer, but I mean, I'm not great. I I can I can I can play with the best, and I can play with the worst. And because I do this full time, I will probably be looking at my phone or my laptop for the better part of all the waking hours of the day. And I go play golf on Fridays to decompress. Yeah, it's the only two hours. I mean, we'll play we'll play nine just to get out. And it's the only two hours of the week that I don't have my phone in my hand. Now, granted, as soon as I put my clubs in the car, I look and see what I missed. Because, <laughs> yeah, I will, I will, I will play golf on Friday afternoons and, and decompress a little bit and and uh, 
get, get right back to work to, uh, when I get back, which much to the chagrin of my wife at times. Right. Well, Dave, you know what they say, money never sleeps, man. So you got to go get them, baby. Dave, I love having you on, man. I love the humor and I love the insight. And we love that we can uh, share your knowledge here on the show. We'll follow along at Twitter at Dave underscore Essler and check you out at pregame.com. And we wish you a happy golfing. Hit them long and hit them straight, Dave. You got it, buddy. See you, man. There he is. Dave Essler. Good stop. Our cat all the way down in the ATL. Dan from Best Fight Picks. Dan, what's happening, my brother? Uh, doing uh, absolutely amazing. How are y'all? Uh, I'm just, well, Dan, I was having like a, a gloomy day today, and all of a sudden you came on. It's like this sunshine in my dark and dreary life. So we're glad to have you again, man. No, it's Freaky Friday, man. Excited. Besides UFC, what's the plans for my man, the, my man Dan? I mean, listen, guys, I'm going to be 100% honest with y'all. Um, I've been really sick the last three days, and I've been in bed, and... <laughs> You know, uh, they told me I had to come on here with with Nelson and Ebo, and I said, "There's literally no way. I don't care if I'm sick as a dog. I'm gonna be on here talking fight week because it's not fight week unless I'm on here with Nelson and Ebo talking fight. So I'm looking forward, gentlemen. <clears throat> My man, Daniel, on your deathbed, and if we can't keep you down, brother, staring death in the eyes, gotta come in these airwaves. You gonna say something, Rowdy? No, I'm, <laughs> I love the excitement. I here. love it too, Dan. Dan, obviously excited about this. Hey. I hope you start feeling better, man. I appreciate you coming on uh, as you're, you know, knocking on death's door. But this main, <laughs> this big card, we got to talk about it. Let's just get right into it. Jorge Masvidal versus Usman, and I see right there that Usman's looking to take Masvidal's soul. How does one do that in the cage? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard to take a guy like Masvidal's soul, but you know, there's a couple different ways you can beat someone down for 15 straight minutes against their will. You can knock him out unconscious on live television, <laughs> which is something that's actually never been done to Masvidal before. And you know what's interesting about this fight, guys, is like everybody's saying Kamaru Usman by decision, like it's some foregone conclusion. And look, I, I understand why. Because that's how he normally wins his fights, and Masvidal is a very durable guy. But I'm also thinking to myself, like, wh- why, why give Masvidal a chance to beat you? Like, Masvidal is a really skilled guy. You already beat him once over five rounds. Like, why, why even entertain that idea again? And I, I know why. Because Masvidal brings in the dollars, Masvidal brings in the buys. But y'all, d- tell me your opinion on this. How crazy would it be if Masvidal goes out there and knocks out Usman in the first round? Everyone considers it a fluke. They rematch again for the trilogy, and then Usman wins a decision in the trilogy. What do you think of that, Rowdy? Well, I feel like that's the only way Masvidal can win the fight. He has to take out Usman because I don't see him winning a five-round fight against Usman. Dan, I think it'd be yeah, wild. Not. Let me ask you, though, brother. So Masvidal is coming up from, he did the backyard street fights, right? Like once a street fighter, and he's going against the dominant wrestler that is Usman. But can't Usman, isn't he just like a, just made a steal? Couldn't he's this, a freaking cardio machine. Couldn't this guy just like punch through your skull? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's a grinder in every sense of the word. And um, you're right about the five-round thing. But look, I think this fight's going to be closer than the last one. I mean, Jorge took that last fight on a week notice. I know it's a built-in excuse and all this and that. But, I mean, you could tell in the fight. I thought he started off really well in that first round. And then he just kind of slowed down. But it's not like like other people I've seen fight Kamaru where they slow down and it just become one of the most hellacious whoopings you've ever seen. I still felt like Masvidal was in that fight. So I actually do think Masvidal is going to do better this time. I think he might even win the first two rounds. The issue with Masvidal, one thing that we've always criticized him for throughout his entire career, it's never been his chin. It's never been his submission defense. It's always been that he gets up to these big leads and then he likes to coast. And then 
you know, you remember the famous quote that he gets robbed more than a 7-Eleven. So, <laughs> yeah, I could see him coming out there, winning the first two rounds, and then thinking he's up to this big lead. And then, you know, Kamaru Usman taking over the next three and uh, winning another decision. So that's where you're leaning then, Dan? You're going to Usman? I mean, I am leaning Usman, of course. I mean, he's a minus 400 favorite for a reason. You've <laughs> got to pick him here. But, like, it, price is everything. Like, this is not the same price as it was the first time. The first time was like minus two thirty Usman. This sounds like minus four hundred. So, I really don't fault anyone for taking a shot on Masvidal. I mean, he comes to fight. Um, but yeah, it's definitely going to be an upset if he wins. No, no questions asked. Yeah, watching that first fight between the two, Masvidal came out and he had guns blazing in that first round. And you would say I, I would agree that I think he won the first round. But then that was where Usman and his conditioning and his wrestling just grinded Mazadol. Well, well, to Nelson's point there, Dan, uh, I got to say this, right? They must be listening to us here. Uh, I said the New York Post five seconds ago just put out an article, so I know for a fact they're listening to you and, and us, and they're going to go to bestfightpicks.com. They say Usman's first win over Mazadol didn't quite feel right to him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, um, who knows if that's actually true? I mean, I'm sure he said it, no doubt about it, but, like, you know, it, it's easy to, when you're trying to sell a fight, because, I mean, look, Masvidal is a superstar, man. Like I, I respect Gilbert Burns, I respect all these guys in the division, but they ain't bringing in the numbers that Jorge Masvidal is bringing in. And Kamaru Usman stated publicly many times that, hey, like my body's falling apart. I only got a couple fights in, <laughs> left in me. So I mean, look, you already beat everybody in the division. So why not get the biggest money fights before the end of your career? So I understand completely what he's doing. Yeah, moving on in this uh, card here, Dan, we got some uh, two women uh, fighting, which uh, you love to see. Uh, was it? Uh, you got to help me with the names because I struggle sometimes. Is it? Who is it, Rowdy? You got uh, Rose Namajunas versus uh, Zhang from yeah, uh, China. She is an absolute monster. Is yeah. she 21 and 1? Yes, sir. Oof. Man, she is She is a beast, ain't she? <laughs> yeah. yeah she you, know is. How, you know how politically they're talking about uh, the Chinese super soldiers? I think she might be the prototype, like, one version. She is a beast, <laughs> dude. She is a monster. Uh, what do you see in this fight, Dan? I see uh, a dominant champion that's about to go out there and defend her belt for the second time, guys. I mean, listen, Rose Namajunas, the one thing about her is she's super talented. She's got insane speed. Her footwork's on point, and you see these flashes of brilliance here and there. The biggest issue is the mentality. Um, you know, as fights carry on, as deep waters presents itself, that's where she tends to struggle. And against someone like Wiley, who is unbreakable physical, physically and mentally, it just seems to me like down the stretch, Wiley's going to really put it on Rose in a way where I wouldn't be surprised if this was Rose Namajunas' last fight. Oof, that's that's some big words right there. Uh, how about the next one? Uh, Shevchenko versus um, Andraj. Uh, Andraj. I always say it Andrade, but Andraj. Okay, so check this out. This is this is interesting because on one hand, like I respect Andraj so much more than Valentina's last few opponents, and when I say respect, I respect anybody that steps in the cage and gets it locked behind them and fights another human being. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm, what I'm saying here is that like when Valentina was fighting Jennifer Maya and Caitlin Chukagan, like I didn't even feel a need to watch those fights. Like I was just like, dude, it's a foregone conclusion. Like these girls have no business in there with her. Whereas Jessica Andrade is actually someone I really respect. I mean, she's a former champion. I've seen her pick uh, other ladies up and, you know, throw them over her head. I've seen her knock ladies out with one punch. So I, I respect Jessica Andrade a lot. The issue here though Despite me thinking that she's a more formidable opponent than, you know, Valentina's last few, stylistically, this is a tough matchup for Andrade, man, because <laughs> one thing about Andrade is she gets hit a lot. And oftentimes in the women's divisions, power overrides technique, except 
in this fight. In this fight, power is not going to override technique. In this fight, technique is going to override power. And I think that Valentina is actually going to get it done. And I'd recommend looking at the under four and a half in that fight. Okay, gotcha. Uh, Dan, I know we're running out of time and you're a wanted man. You got to, you know, you know, cover all your bases around here. What's my man Dan from Best Fight Picks thinking about that his, like, this is the bet. This is the one that I'm really eyeing in on. <laughs> Um, I like this kid, Jimmy, the brute crew and real quick, he's from Australia. Um, I don't know if y'all want to do this now on air or maybe when I get off, but I want you to say Jimmy, the brute crew three times as fast as you can in an Australian accent. You know what I mean? So, uh, oh. look, this kid, <laughs> this kid is a badass. And the thing with Anthony Smith, look, he, a lot of people are saying the line is too wide. I disagree with them, man. I think that, uh, Anthony Smith is one of these guys that is really good at the comeback and he's really good at washing out, you know, old legends that are past their prime. And Jimmy Crew just doesn't fit that bill, man. I mean, he's a young kid. He's only 24 years old. He's already made his rookie mistake in the UFC. So this isn't even first L time anymore. So this is really a situation where Jimmy Crute is going to beat up Anthony Smith until he either wins the fight or until Anthony Smith gets a comeback finish. And I think Jimmy Crute's going to win the fight. So, yeah, Jimmy Crute, I'm really interested in that. So now, Dan, I got a bet for you. I, I kind of want to know your thoughts on this. I, I agree with you. I think Jimmy Crute's going to walk all over Anthony Smith. But my bet is, or the bet I'd like to hear your thoughts on would be over or under two and a half teeth that Anthony Smith loses in that fight. <laughs> Oh, man. Y'all are brutal, man. Oh, oh, yeah. Listen, I mean, I never want to see anyone get hurt, even if I got money on the line. But, you know, he's got veneers. So, you know, they can they can be replaced. I hear. So it's all good. But that yeah, was just expensive. That was, well, that was that Glover to share a fight with Anthony Smith. That was so brutal to watch where the guy is literally yeah. losing teeth and just getting completely dominated. And they didn't throw in the towel and the ref didn't stop it for a while, but Anthony Smith to me has just taken so much damage. I mean, the guy has 50 career fights. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, look, he's tough as nails. His name is Lionheart for a reason, so you got to show him a lot of respect for not, you know, giving in during that Glover fight, but um, at the same time, it's it, me, I don't really care about how many fights he's had, because, like, it's really about the stylistic matchup, and the fact that he, you know, gets his butt whooped uh, for a majority of his fights, and then comes back that's just one of those styles that I don't think is going to do well against Jimmy crew. Like Jimmy, all you got to do is not have a mental lapse and you win. <laughs> I just, the veneers thing. I'm still laughing about my wife's a dental hygienist. I know for a fact, those veneers ain't a, They ain't cheap, Dan. I hope they got good <laughs> insurance there for a uh, UFC if they don't have any at all. But Hey buddy, I got to say, Dan, for a guy that's sick, Knocking on death's door, you sound better than ever. I don't know what you're doing, but keep it up. I, I hope you're on the man and you're going to be feeling good this weekend, dude. Uh, thank you so much, guys. I got a wedding to attend to tomorrow, so I better be feeling better. But now, I mean, being here with y'all, I'm already 1% better. So thank y'all so much. Oh, Dan. And uh, one of the bridesmaids. Go for it, brother. All right. <laughs> Never the bride, right? <laughs> <laughs> See you, Dan. There he is. Dan yeah. from Best Fight Picks. Uh, check him out on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. That's good stuff there from our guy, The Danimal. There you go, Rowdy. I like that. That's good stuff. I know Dan had to go do some other hits. So Dan is out of there. Uh, all right. We got a little time left. Let's go to the. Oh, they hung up. Probably Charlie. Rowdy, so what are you thinking uh, of Dan there? He's taking, uh, what, Usman? You like that one? Over yeah, Masvidal? I think uh, Usman against Jorge Masvidal. I think the only real shot Masvidal has is is being a tough guy and finding that one punch. And anything else that you're specifically liking in these fights on Saturday, UFC 269? Oh, I was with him with Jimmy Crute. I just think Anthony Smith has taken so much damage over some of his last few fights, and he's getting up there in age. The 50 fights just in general is a lot. I, I don't know. If, if we're looking at main card. Who's the I kid think, from Milwaukee? Uh, Brendan Allen. Okay. He's a 
favorite here. I don't know if I would necessarily bet that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, probably if I had to make a bet that we haven't talked about, I'd probably go with Uriah Hall over Chris Weidman. Uriah Hall, he seems to still be a little bit more with it. Chris Weidman, to me, is a guy that he was the guy that, if you remember correctly, took out Anderson Silva oh, when Anderson yeah, Silva yeah, yeah, had yeah. his big-time prime. Well, now that uh, you're remembering that, that's yeah. been a while ago, and he just seems like a guy that's just – kind of on the wrong side of a, the last few holes of his uh, said fight career. Gotcha. And the last time I saw him fight, he just he just looked like the uh, a real shell of himself. And I think Uriah Hall is closer to his his uh, peak than uh, Chris Weidman really is. And as a short underdog, I'd probably take Hall. Raphael, is that you? Hey, what's going on? Oh, thank God. Raph, thank you. We had some guy just impersonating you. He's a resident <laughs> booze hound. I tried calling, no, no one answered the first time I tried calling. Oh, that's my apologies. I was, we were talking to Charlie off air, our resident booze hound. I was grilling him to see what other drugs he has done. He strictly just drinks. That's it. That is it. Right. Never even smoked a devil's lettuce. Tiss, tiss, tiss. Hey, Raph, what's up, my brother? How are we living? How's Vegas? It is It is what it is. I mean, it's getting hot, so that's always a good sign that the heat is coming. Hey, Raph, it snowed. Was that yesterday, Rowdy, or two days ago? It snowed two days ago here, Raphael. Spring in Wisconsin. How are we looking? Yeah, I don't know how you guys can deal with uh, the snow and cold. <laughs> we love the seasons, Raphael. That's what at least I tell myself. Hey, buddy, I'm looking at all your wonderful emails you send out. Raphael from MyBookie.ag joining us right now. Uh, gearing up for the draft. Everyone we've talked to about the draft so far, usually when it comes to the big J's, about the guys like writing about it, said they have draft fatigue already, and they kind of want it to be over. With everything you have coming out here, I'm looking at here what position will you know be Mr. Irrelevant, a kicker, punter, draft props. You got you know who selects first, whatever. Are you having draft fatigue yet, or are you just like living, loving it right now? No, I'm one of those guys. I hate talking about the NFL in the month of March and April. I can't stand it. I hate it. There's baseball going on. There's uh, some great soccer going on. NBA playoffs getting ready to start. NHL playoffs getting ready to start. It's award season. UFC 261. There's so much other stuff to talk about. But we live in a country where we have to talk about the NFL 365 days a year. But as soon as someone does something wrong in the NFL, we crucify that person. I just don't understand why we're so intrigued with the Shield when the Shield has done really nothing to impress me. Okay, so who is the team that – I don't know if you cheer for a team anymore just because, you know, the eyes of Vegas, but do you have a team that you cheer for or a team that you grew up loving? Uh, no, I mean, I grew up – you know, me, I grew up in, uh, in the Midwest in Chicago. Oh, okay. I was never a big Bears fan. I grew up in the 70s. My favorite football player is Franco Harris, so I was always <laughs> – following the Pittsburgh Steelers and stuff like that. But the, now that I'm in the industry, I don't have any favorite team like since the lovable can't-hit-a-baseball Chicago Cubs. <laughs> Sorry, so, Raph, speaking of that, the Cubs do play the Brewers. What are you feeling in this uh, series here? Cubs-Brewers looking at the eyes, uh, you know, through line setting here. Do you think the Brewers are going to get her done starting today with Brett Anderson on the mound? Obviously, is it, is it Hendricks? I tell people there's uh, if some sports books carry MLB MLB weekend series prices and the Brewers are minus 120 minus 125 to win the weekend series. I say lay it. They're going to have Woodruff. They're probably going to beat up Hendricks, who's been missing his spot today uh, or this this season for the Cubs. I'll take the Brewers to win two out of three, uh, or maybe bring out the broom and Wrigley because we can. Well, let's face it, both of our teams can't hit the baseball as of late. Uh, it's all been been pitching for both. Team, especially you guys, the Brewers, you guys are winning your games because of pitching, not clutch hitting. But 
The Brewers win this weekend series. They win two out of three. Raph, I love it, dude. It, it, it warms my heart when I hear a Cubs fan say that. I absolutely love it. So Raph, I'm, I'm realistic. I'm realistic. I'm not going to be a homer. We're going to sweep the Brewers, and then we're going to win the World Series. No, I'm realistic. Well, well, thank you for saying that. We appreciate that. At least an honest Cubs fan. Very rare to find. Thank you, Raphael. Uh, Raph, let me ask you about this. How did you guys do in the Jake Paul-Ben Askren fight? Did you guys clean up, or did you lose money on that? We cleaned up. And let me tell people who say, oh, this is bad for boxing. I thought it was rigged. It is is bad for boxing. If it was rigged, if it wasn't rigged, I'm glad they stopped it. Because, first of all, Askren had no chance uh, with his horrible jab work that he tried to throw. He was going to get crushed no matter what. So I'm glad the ref stopped it. I got to go to bed a little bit early. (laughs) So I'm glad the ref stopped it. But let's face it. Is this bad for boxing? Yes. Is this outstanding for putting boxing on the mainstream, in the news, getting new younger betters for the for an old sport of boxing like myself. This action of Ben Askren and Paul had more action than the last Canelo Alvarez fight. So you're trying to tell me if it's bad for boxing, the money came in and the money continues to come in. Raph, I am under the full belief that that thing was rigged and Ben Askren was laughing all the way to the bank with his half a million dollars and Jake Paul's laughing all the way to the bank too. Am I wrong in thinking it was rigged? Because it looked pretty rigged. I thought it was an early stoppage, but what I saw from Ben Askren from the less than minutes and his jab that he was trying to separate the fight, he was going to get crushed no matter what. Plain and simple, he was going to lose. So was it rigged? Maybe. Was it a great stoppage? Outstanding stoppage because it would have been a bloodbath and he would have, uh, Ben Askren would have went down either late in that round, second round. He would have not won that fight, period. And I know Ben Askren. I've talked to him many times because he's an affiliate of us. He had no chance of winning, and I would tell that to his face if he was here. All right, <laughs> Raph, uh, if it was a wrestling match, I'd take Ben Askren. All right, Raphael, how about this? So let's advance the story for boxing. Is this actually happening? Floyd Mayweather, Money Mayweather, taking on Logan Paul? Is this legit? They're saying June 5th, and they have four destinations that they're working on. Vegas, L.A., Atlanta, and uh, Orlando are, are the destinations that this fight should happen. I think this does happen, just the amount of money that came in on the Paul Askren fight. I would think uh, the amount of pay-per-view money came in. This one will blow the gates out just because it's Floyd Mayweather uh, on, on this card. So I do believe this fight happens, and the Paul brother will probably go down. Uh, well, I, I'm sorry, Mayweather has not fought in years, but Mayweather is a professional boxer still hasn't lost. Well, I I struggle with this because every time I see a Floyd Mayweather match, I'm bored. It's like him oh, just, he, he just hugs. It's like I just saw him and Manny Pacquiao hug for like forever, and it was boring. And then it goes to the card, whatever. Is I mean, is this even a good fight? I know the names are there, obviously. Floyd Mayweather, biggest name in boxing. Logan Paul, everyone wants to beat his ass because he's an annoying douchebag. Like, I, I get it, and he sells, too. Is this is this good? Is this bad? I don't even know what to think about this. It's right down the middle. I think the boxing world, the MMA world, and the old school boxing world would tell Floyd Mayweather, punish this guy, don't hug him, beat him to a ground so we can finally laugh at the Paul brothers. So I can see it down the middle, and I just don't see this one going a distance. I think I, I would not be shocked if Mayweather wins on a body shot, on a on a body because uh, he he hugs him hard. Body as a, he texts the body hard. I would not be shocked if one of the Paul brothers is being blood the Sunday after the June 5th. Oh, damn. I mean, and to that point, Raph, can we just get like a Nick and Nate Diaz tag team versus the Logan and uh, Jake Paul brothers so we can just end this for good? Oh, that would be a great uh, pay-per-view <laughs> AEW slash MMA 
uh, a steel cage match. I want a cage I'm all match. That. Yeah, uh, like a legit cage match, like one that like yeah. like there's actual pain inflicted. And the winner gets the un- unlimited weed for the rest of their life. Oh, I'll throw my hat in the ring then. All right, so Raphael joining us right now from MyBookie.ag. Uh, Raph, speaking of, like, pain and blood, how about UFC 261, Usman versus Jorge Masvidal? What do you got in this one, my brother? Yeah, we have not one, not two, but three title fights going on on Saturday. And I think all three of them hold. I think uh, the Masvidal-Usman, I think Usman wins. That one's probably going to be the most boring one because I think the way Usman wrestles, he's probably going to want to take Masvidal on the ground. But the Rose and Zing fight is going to be outstanding. They fought already. It was just a blood fest, a slug fest. That one's going to be one of the fights in the ninth. And I think Valentina is going to destroy Andrea, but fight of the night is going to be Chris Riedelman and Ural Hall. These guys fought 10 years ago, and there's still bad blood Damn. from that 10-year fight. So Chris Riedelman, uh, small favorite right now, but that one could has fight of the night because they uh, there's bad blood in that one. Bad blood. Not talking Taylor Swift, are you, Raphael? No, I'm not. <laughs> hey, buddy, before I let you go, my man, uh, any cool entertainment prop bets you got out there besides the uh, <laughs> Floyd Mayweather J- Jake Paul fight any entertainment ones that we should be looking and chuckling at? It's a huge award season weekend. Not only are the Oscars on Sunday, but the Razzie Awards. Oh, yeah, your Razzies. So, so the Razzies are on Saturday. I'll be up uh, watching that all day Saturday while I'm watching UFC 261. And then Sunday is the Oscars. Uh, there's some great uh, categories. I think you can make some money. Wait, on what? What's Sunday? The Oscars. I had no idea. Yeah, uh, Banda, uh, there's uh, Sound of Metal. Keep an eye out for that movie to maybe shock some people. Outstanding. Oh, I heard that movie's movie. awesome. I was going to watch it. It's yeah. on Prime, I think. Yes, outstanding. Highly, highly recommend. You saw it? You saw it, I yeah. imagine? What would you give I've it out of 10? Uh, nine. I've seen every movie that the Oscars and Razzies, and I still can't believe some of the movies I watch now Razzies. I want to stand my eye out. Um, are some of the Oscar movies up for an award? Are they like some of those artsy-fartsy ones where you roll your eyes and wonder how anyone could actually like it? Norma Land, which is probably going to win Best Picture and Best uh, Director. It's kind of a snooze fest, but the story and the way the story was presented, I think, was pretty cool. All right. Well, Raph, uh, if we want to follow along, how can we do so with my man? You can find me on Twitter at Sports, Instagram at Raphael Esparza. You can find all my lovely, crazy preppets over at mybookie.ag. Raph, we appreciate your time. Find a little time for the wife, though, okay? Come on, brother. Uh, that's in the morning. So I wake her up and, hey, good morning. I kiss her and then go back to work. <laughs> all right, Raph. I'm sure the lines are calm. See you, buddy. Take it easy. See you, man. There he is, Raphael. Good stuff. Hold the line, Raph. <laughs>